Hello and welcome to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. By all accounts, 2023 will probably be a continuation of the year that has just ended. More transformation and change, more instability and uncertainty. On this edition of Crosstalk, we examine the likely trends for the year ahead of us. Crosstalking 2023, I'm joined by my guest, George Samueli in Budapest. He's a podcaster at The Gaggle, which can be found on YouTube and Locals. In Marrakesh, we have Martin Jay. He's an award-winning journalist and commentator. And here in Moscow, we have Dmitry Babich. He's a political analyst and editor at Inosmi Internet Media Project. All right, gentlemen, Crosstalk rules in effect. That means you can jump anytime you want, and I always appreciate it. Uh, let me go to George first in Budapest. Uh, George, we just ended a very tumultuous year. Um, so many things have changed. There's so many uncertainties ahead of us here. I'm kind of kind of gambling that uh, 2023 is going to be a lot like 2022. Your thoughts? I think so, too. Um, it's obviously always very dangerous to um, extrapolate from the year that's just coming to an end to the year that's coming to be. But on the other hand, last year, we uh, had just had the uh, the two uh, um, draft treaties presented by President Putin to uh, the United States and to NATO. And we knew then that the response of the United States and NATO would be, you know, nothing doing, we're not interested, and that in response, Russia will launch some kind of what they call the military technical operation. And indeed, that's what happened, and that it was indeed a transformational moment um, for the world. I suspect that uh, this will, what we're having at the moment will continue into the next year, and there will continue to be this uh, essential transformation of the geopolitical uh, scene. Um, the, the Western powers have decided that this is the, the, the way they want to go. They want to go on weakening, debilitating uh, and bleeding Russia dry. I mean, that, that, that's their policy. They're not going to stop from it. They don't care about what happens to Ukrainians, and they just want to con- continue down this path. Um, and why that, you know, whether it's successful or not, um, it's also a very dangerous path because, um, uh, you know, the, the risk of this, uh, what's, what's happening now in Ukraine into, uh, becoming a full-fledged, uh, you know, shooting war between NATO and Russia is a real is a real presence. I mean, it's it's not something we can just uh, get around. And I think that's where we have to look through the, this 2023 that we could indeed get to that nightmare moment, the moment that we've been avoiding since the end of World War II, an actual uh, shooting war between um, NATO and Russia. I think that's a good summation. You know, Martin, another thing that I think we can expect in the new year is that with all the tumultuous changes that we saw in 2022, the world is starting to get used to those changes, okay? Russia is a sanctioned country. I don't think anyone in their right mind thinks sanctions are going to end anytime soon. And so what that does is it actually creates, like, opportunities, you know, how, how to move forward. We know what you've left behind and, and what you can't return to. And I think that that's – I look at that as kind of an opportunity. It's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. Martin. Yeah, I think people right across the Western world are getting used to the setup, but they're also – um, getting quite despondent about the repetitive um, stories that keep coming in the press about massive scale corruption, corruption. Um, and they're also becoming quite 
um, despondent to what's going on around the world. And I wonder if that will change. I mean, looking at the globe, you know, it's very hard not to prick it it with a pin anywhere and look at calamity and catastrophe on a grand scale coming from not only the Ukraine war, but coupled um, with a lot of global South countries with um, climate crisis, climate change as well. You know, we've got we've got calamity all over the place. And I wonder um, if that really can stay, as you suggest. I, I think there might be a sea change in media. I think there might be well a sea change, a, a cranking up of awareness of how futile this war is. And the awareness, I think, that, that will happen is that more and more people will begin to realize, whether they read newspapers or not, whether they're educated or not, that the Ukraine war really isn't much to do with Ukraine at all. It's actually an international war between NATO and Russia, and more increasingly so, I would say, more with just America and Russia. It's becoming less of a Western war. When you look at the military uh, spending and military aid, which is declining quite rapidly, not only in cash, but in kit, you know, it seems to be America's show from the beginning to end. And so, you know, the spotlight really will be on Biden in 2023 to justify continuous, continuously sending, well, he's just signed off, $40 $40 billion of aid, military aid, uh, well, half of that is military aid, $20, 20 billion. Um, That got passed through Congress. I didn't think it would. It did. I wonder if 2023 will be a continuation of that when Republicans take over the, the House. Well, unfortunately, Martin, I don't put much stock into the into the Republican Party in the United States. But you got a point, okay? There is still resistance there. Dima, you know, kind of a continuation of my question to Martin. I mean, you know, we're, you know, we had we had all last year from uh, March uh, uh, to the present, you know, sanctions and debilitating sanctions, according to the West. But not that is not the case here. And one of the things I find interesting living here is how people have adapted and um, and actually start are looking forward and not looking to the, uh, backward. Of course, travel is not as easy as it used to be. Uh, uh, Apple Pay that will be uh, a Russian version of that will be introduced in the spring. But Russia is really quite good at adapting. But the news we get from Europe is they're not so good at adapting. Dima. Uh, well, indeed, it was a year of many surprises, and uh, uh, I can quote here uh, this demonized Russian philosopher Alexander Dugin. In his recent interview, he said that uh, when actually uh, the hostilities started in February, me and my colleagues, we expected the army to do well, and we expected the economy to do much worse than it did. And in fact, uh, the opposite of the expectations happened. Uh, the war was not short. Uh, of course, Russia is still going to win, but certainly not in the way it was planned. You know, the plan was just to use a small expeditionary force and to remove the regime uh, quickly, you know, and uh, as painlessly as possible. That didn't happen. However, uh, there was a pleasant surprise for Russia on the other side. Uh, the country uh, cracked up to be very resilient to Western sanctions. I mean, you live in Moscow, you live in Russia, and you see that this new year is not very different from the last new year. The same restaurants are working, the same shops are open, uh, people are filling uh, the cafes and restaurants, they have uh, probably even more money to spend now because they travel less to Europe, more people travel internally, suddenly Russia became uh, a collection of very, uh, very pleasant, very interesting places to visit. It's not just Moscow and St. Petersburg, it is Baikal, it is Altai, 
It is North Caucasus, lots of nice places. So, in fact, uh, we got it wrong and we got it sad on one side, and we got it much better than expected on the other side. Yeah, that's true. You know, George, I mean, self-sufficiency, I think that is the the new calling card uh, as we move forward for for Russia and for uh, all, all other countries that are victims of Western hegemony. You know, also, George, what's really interesting, kind of a continuation of what's been said here already, is that... Um, the ability to adapt. I mean, I think now, in retrospect, Russia was fully prepared for years that this was going to happen. As you and I have said so many times, is that the Russians will cave, they'll they'll be angry, but they'll you know they'll cave, and and NATO will expand, and, and the West will get its way. But that's not the case anymore. We saw that in 2022. I think we're going to see that in 2023. And being able to adapt to adversity. Well, the, the West is full of big words and so-called values, but they're not very good at adapting. George? No, they're not at all uh, good at adapting. And really, we look back in retrospect and think, what on earth were the G7 and the uh, EU and the United States thinking that somehow we will impose the mother of all sanctions and we will bring the Russian economy to their knees. I mean, it's, uh, you know, they've actually started believing their own propaganda, which is very dangerous that Russia is nothing more than a gas station with nuclear weapons. I mean, Russia is the biggest energy producer in the world. It's the biggest uh, grain producer in the world, biggest fertilizer producer in the world, you know, precious metals producer in the world. I mean, you know, Russia produces things that people want to buy. That's very difficult to bring such an economy to its knees. And, of course, it did, they didn't bring uh, Russia uh, to its knees. And, and it, it is indeed but the Europeans, not so much the Americans, the Europeans who are suffering the consequences because the Europeans are consumers of energy and food and, and the rest, and they don't know what to do about it. And the United States is happy to see uh, the European uh, uh, you know, economies collapse. But Dima is absolutely right that uh, the, the, the reversal of what we'd been expecting, we thought that the, uh, the Russian military would achieve a quick victory, whereas uh, the economy might be dodgy. Um, you know, one wonders really whether if the war had continued in 2014, the outcome would have been the opposite. You know, Russia might then have achieved a quick military victory and knocked out uh, the, the, the post-Maidan regime. And had achieved then the, the security and stability that they had sought, even if the economic uh, hardships that Russia would have suffered then might well have been uh, detrimental. We, you know, we, we don't know. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, I think that it's, a, it's a serious issue that Russia hasn't been able to wrap this up militarily um, as, as it could and should have done uh, a year ago. Let me go to Martin, last 40 seconds before we go to the break. Will European elites learn anything from 2022? Martin. It seems that they aren't learning anything at all. They're just digging their heels in because they believe that there is an end game and they believe that this campaign that they have will, as I think um, uh, uh, George put it, will, will drain them. The, the Russian military, but that's not happening. And, um, you know, the EU itself is just slowly becoming much increasingly ineffective and unrelevant, irrelevant um, as the days pass with corruption scandals and many, many countries now around the world are now looking to Russia and to BRICS partners as different geopolitical um, partners. So I think, um, you know, we're, the elites in Europe aren't learning at all, but they will have to 
start looking at the polls. All right. On, on that it. thought, we're going to discuss that when we come back from our break. Gentlemen, we're going to go to a short break. And after that short break, we'll continue our discussion on the year to come, 2023. Welcome back to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter LaBelle. To remind you, we're discussing the upcoming year, 2023. Okay, I want to touch back with Martin. You said something at the very end before we went to the break that I'm fi- I find fascinating. The Europeans have, uh, in their mind, I suppose collectively, an end game. What do you mean by that? Because their pregame, they screwed up pretty badly. I mean, is it going to be any different, their end game? Go ahead, Martin. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they think the end game will finally be that Putin reaches out and says, look, let's talk. I, I want to stop this war. But, but Martin, the- what evidence? I mean, I know that's what they want. But what evidence is there that Russia would even entertain that thought for a nanosecond. I mean, you know, when, you know, you, when you have these kind of things, you need to have leverage. Where's the leverage? Keep going. There's no leverage. There's no leverage. And there's no evidence. It's just it's just the echo chamber. You know, when you cut away all the, 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 the news outlets that don't chime with your narrative, when you silence journalists, when you actually just keep on banging on the drum and just listening to your own narrative and believing only in, in, in what comes from your own mouth, from your own political parties. That's the problem, is that, you know, there's nobody standing up and questioning any of this. But look, 2023 is going to be a deal breaker. It's the, it's the last year before Europe, the EU, embraces its uh, rally into the European elections in the following year. Um, and 2023, importantly, has at least 17 countries in Africa which are going to the polls. So there's going to be quite a bit of unrest rioting, and everybody will be looking towards the European Union to say, what's going on? Aren't you guys really doing anything here? You know, you talk about your big plan, your bold, you know, foreign policy and and the billions that you waste in Brussels, but we don't see any action from you at all. And a panic is going to start to set in from EU leaders, that they're going to to lose the EU, because when the people go to the polls finally the next year, the worry is low voter turnout. And that is going to start already in 2023. And I think in Africa, because I'm in Africa, I think you're going to see more and more countries becoming non-aligned. This is going to be the new okay, thing. Okay. I, I want to talk a little bit more the about the global south, but first I want to go to Dima here. Dima, the, you know, as a, as a Russian citizen, um, you know, Russia was very much demonized in 2022 um, and, and by a well-oiled propaganda machine. No dissent is allowed. If you disagree, then you're somebody's puppet, and you know who I mean. But, Dima, the love affair that Russia's had with, with the West, particularly Europe, for the last 300 years, has that come to an end, or is it just on a pause? Well, I would uh, suggest that uh, our listeners... Uh, you know, take some time and listen to the recent statements from the Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov and from President Putin. Uh, Lavrov basically said a few days ago that, uh, 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 you know, we're not going to be duped again uh, with this uh, leadership that now the EU has, with the leadership that the United States has right now. It's very difficult to do business. They don't observe the treaties. They don't observe the laws. They don't abide by the international law. They they talk about the rules-based order, but the rules are, are the, the ones set by them. They are not the international law. They are rules, 
determined by Washington, determined by Brussels. So Russia has no illusions about the current uh, leadership of the West. But I wouldn't say that uh, our love affair with Europe continued for just 300 years. Russia is a European country. Whether we want it or not, or whether the United States wants it or not, or whether the bureaucrats in Brussels want it or not, Russia is a European country with European culture and with European history. So uh, I'm sure that uh, when this terrible ideology, which unfortunately took hold of uh, the United States and of the European Union, when this ideology is defeated, and it will be defeated because it is not scientific, it is already losing economically, it is losing militarily. You know, the combined forces of the West uh, in Ukraine are unable to defeat Russia. And both sides are still using mostly Soviet-made weapons. You know, it turned out that the West is not armed very well. So in the end, in the end, when this ideology is defeated, we're going to return to normal relations uh, with the rest of Europe and with the United States. Okay, well, Dima, the, the, the ideology, neoliberalism that you're referring to, it's not going to end anytime soon. It, it, it's it's going to create a global disaster before it leaves the scene, okay? Let's, George, let's, let's talk a little bit about the global south or the global majority, as I like to call it. I mean, what we saw in 2022, and I think we're going to see in the new year, is um, the, there, are, there are alternatives out there. They're, the non-Western world, Russia, China, Iran, um, all with great civilizations, great uh, cultures and traditions and all that. And that's what the West really hates. They really hate that, that, that there is an alternative out there. They talk the talk of diversity, but they want no diversity whatsoever. You must go, you must abide by their ideology or you'll be canceled as they're trying to cancel everything related to Russia. George. Yes, there is indeed now alternatives that are available. BRICS. More and more countries want to join uh, BRICS, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. There are new international institutions, new alternatives to the IMF, World Bank, uh, global order that was created in the aftermath of uh, World War II. And the Chinese are now developing a, uh, a kind of a world development bank, uh, again, alternative to the World Bank. And... Yeah, the global south is indeed looking upon these and saying, yeah, we don't have to play the West's game. We don't have to sit and listen to their lectures. So uh, the, there is this economic alternative, but there's also the alternative of the values, the values that uh, are the currently espoused by uh, the United States and the West, you know, the, the, what, what do we call them, the woke culture, the LGBTQI plus culture, it's alien to much of the world. I mean, this isn't just simply, oh, well, we, you know, the Ayatollahs in Iran, they're, 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 they're off on their weird uh, trip. No, it's the rest of the world that just doesn't understand why the West is uh, espousing uh, notions of how humans should live that humans have never lived by in millennia. And so, Even we you know, don't understand Russia, it. <laughs> Russia is embracing uh, this and is kind of the, the leader of a reaction against the, the Western world culture, just as it's the leader of reaction against that neoliberal economic model.
Yeah, Martin, uh, uh, Joe Biden celebrated a gathering of African leaders. From what I understand, there there wasn't even a one to, uh, face-to-face one meeting with any of those leaders. I may be wrong, but that's what I understand here. Um, and the whole issue was Ukraine. <laughs> and Africa was like, what? Huh? The Chinese were here. They're building bridges and roads and schools and hospitals. Okay, I mean, this is just arrogance that comes from the West. I mean, as I've said many times, is that no, the West is no longer feared. Okay, we have the de-dollarization going on, trading in local currencies, uh, different financial institutions. There's a whole literature out there called "The World Beyond the West." It's very, very real, and it's taking on meaning. And I think 2023 is just going to accelerate that. Martin, African leaders, you know, they they watched. Um, the, the Biden stunt in Afghanistan with their with their with their jaws wide open, you know, absolutely incredible. And now look at look at Afghanistan now. Look at it. 2023 will break records in Afghanistan. It will make us remember the TV footage from CNN in the 1980s of how Afghanistan treated women, of the cassette players, of, of all the streams of cassette tape being being um, strewn across the streets in the center of Kabul. You know, Afghanistan's going back to the Middle Ages because of U.S. foreign policy just failing completely on a wholesale level. And those African leaders you talked about, they watched that. They witnessed that. They said, where do we feature in all this? Is this what happens to us when we don't tag along with U.S. hegemony? You know, and, you know, I mentioned those 17 elections. You know, watch very carefully Burkina Faso in Africa in the next couple of months. Burkina Faso is wobbling um, and it looks like it's going to fall and no longer become a French satellite state anymore, just as Mali did a couple of months ago. If Burkina Faso falls, that will be a precedent. That will be France losing all of its influence in Africa, which means EU <coughs> losing all of its edge. Um, there will be no more Western story or French-speaking Africa. And countries like um, Morocco, where I am, for example, will play more of a, a role of being a big brother um, and, and creating infrastructure in banking and services and things like that. So this is what we'll, we have to look forward to, is it? I think my money is on the tipping point being in Africa. It'll start in Africa in 2023, and other countries around the world will watch that and say, well, if Africa can do that, if Africa can turn to China for investment, for business, perhaps turn to Russia for security, and to countries like Morocco or Turkey for, for other things, you know, then um, why can't we? You know, Dimitri, last year, uh, 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 Joseph uh, Burrell talked about Europe as being the garden and the rest of the world being the jungle. I think in 2023, the world is going to see that there, there are many gardens out there, and it's not in Europe. Dima. You are exactly right. Uh, it is now obvious that uh, there will be no single globalization, as a lot of people uh, expected in the 90s uh, or even in the 2000s, there are going to be at least three globalizations. There is going to be one globalization around the United States and uh, the European Union and some of their allies in Latin America, in Africa, of course, in Canada, Australia. But there will be another globalization around Russia and China, with many countries from Africa joining, with many countries from Latin America joining. And there will be a third, a third group, I think it will be ASEAN countries, which are somewhat jittery about being too uh, reliant on China. So they will have a globalization also, uh, a, 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 like a circle of their own. That reminds me of the Cold War times when there was the Western world, uh, the Soviet bloc, 
and the non-aligned movement. And uh, experience shows that this is not bad. It's actually uh, when you have one single uh, system in the world, when you have the world government, when someone tries to become the world government, usually these people suddenly become extremely stupid and irrational, like Napoleon with his continental blockade, which reminds me of the anti-Russian sanctions now, like Hitler, who wanted to build huge German empire around the world. We're going to hear, to see competing globalizations. And what's going on in Ukraine, I think it's not between Russia and the United States. And of course, it's not between Russia and Ukraine. It's between the, the forces of the West still trying to, uh, to maintain their hegemony and the new forces which are now supporting Russia. Uh, there are many countries, in fact, which support Russia. Dima, no we've run out of time, but I can't think of a better way to end this program. Thank you very much. I want to thank my guests in Budapest, Marrakesh, and in Moscow. And I want to thank our viewers for watching us here at RT. See you next time. Remember, cross-stop rules.